Welcome to the SBI Podcast, offering CEOs, sales and marketing leaders ideas to make the number. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Alexander, co-founder and CEO of SBI. Welcome to the SBI Podcast, which is a weekly podcast series where we interview your peers and find out what it is they're doing that helps them, quote, make the number. We've got a great show today because we've got a great guest, Jane Kadaska, who is the general manager of U.S. product supply and distribution at Phillips 66, which, as many of you know, is a multi-billion dollar oil refiner and marketer. Jane has been with P66, as we call them, for 14 years, and prior to that, uh, six years at Mobile Oil Company and Tosco. With almost 20 years in the oil and gas industry, having done many things in that industry, Jane, in my opinion, is an expert at marketing petroleum products. She holds a BA in mathematics from the College of the Holy Cross, a graduate degree in systematic theology from GTU, and an MBA from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. How about that resume? Jane, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. That right. was quite a build-up. I hope I don't disappoint. No, of course not. You won't. Hey, you should be proud of all those things. That's, uh, that's quite an educational background. Thanks. All right. So today's topic is aligning marketing strategy to the skills of the marketing staff. Let me give some context around that, and then I'm going to ask Jane for her opinion on a few of these things, as, as many of us have to think through this. So, Jane, right now, marketers are overwhelmed. It seems, you know, every day that consumers are behaving differently, and there are new channels to focus on, yet another new piece of marketing technology to learn. And in your years at Philip 66, you've spent a lot of time in the area of marketing. And recently, in the recent history, you've you completed the creation of a new marketing strategy. And that happened, as I understand it, right around the time that ConocoPhillips and Philip 66 kind of separated. So can you share with the audience, you know, what you did at that time, kind of how you thought about creating the strategy and and particularly when you were doing it, how you thought through you know, do I have the skills to execute this? Do I need to train some people? Do I need to outsource some things? Do I need to hire some people? Kind of start me at 30,000 feet as you re- reflect back on that time. Sure. Um, well, you know, Greg, Philip 66, like a lot of other petroleum marketers and other marketers in general, are playing in a really competitive industry, competitive landscape. Um, and, you know, we see the battle of the market share regularly on a daily basis. And as we think about our business from a B2B and a B2C um, perspective, we were trying to look at being more effective in how we spent our marketing dollars and how we needed to be looking at that. Um, I would say we, from a B2B side, that's primarily where I focused my um, attention from a marketing strategy perspective. I felt like we did a lot on the B2C side that we had done um, throughout the years in terms of maintaining our brand and advertising and promotion. Um, So some of the typical areas in terms of how we were reaching uh, end users. 
But on the B2B side, where I focused my energy was on the concept of actually marketing to our B2B customers versus what I would call the standard um, entertainment. So from that perspective, it was always a question mark for us whether or not we could enter um, the digital arena with our B2B customer base. And we met, you know, some internal resistance and um, we had a lot of debates internally about whether or not our B2B customer base was um, digital savvy or even, you know, utilizing a variety of digital platforms. And a lot of our sales folks didn't believe that. Um, Some of our marketing people didn't believe that. But ultimately, um, when we looked at how people were consuming data and how people were um, engaging online, and we did, you know, customer interviews, we embarked on a strategy that was going to require us to build out um, a B2B website and to do some marketing automation, all very new um, areas to us. And when I say new, I mean areas that we had never even contemplated entering. Hmm. So definitely um, from that perspective, we were looking at, okay, if we're going to look at building this roadmap, we really have to be take a very comprehensive approach to it. Mm-hmm. So in the context of oil and gas, which some of our listeners might not be too familiar with that industry. When you say the B2B customer, who are you referring to? So in our uh, branded channels, we would have a, uh, a marketer or a reseller or a dealer, and those are the folks that would be distributing and selling our product, our gasoline, our diesel fuel, to a customer at a retail outlet. Okay. So a marketer may be uh, a business person that owns a chain of stores, and they may own and operate those stores, or they may just be delivering fuel to those stores and have other people that actually own and operate those stores. So we would be dealing on a B2B side with a marketer, or uh, a reseller who could own and operate um, one or more sites. A reseller usually has us delivering the fuel to them, but they own and operate the sites, Um, or a dealer. And a dealer is um, somebody who... um, who owns and operates their site. Um, excuse me, I, I think I got it. I said it the wrong way. The dealer is the one where we would be delivering the fuel to them. The reseller would deliver fuel to themselves. Okay. Okay, so, very good. So those would be the intermediaries that we are doing business with them. They are the ones that actually touch the end user. Right. So you went from this, what I would call, and I'm oversimplifying, I know, but just for today's podcast to keep it basic, you went from a non-digital marketing strategy to a digital marketing strategy. And this digital marketing strategy was pointed at these kind of these B2B intermediaries, as you refer to them. And the thought there was, you know, would they respond or not? And you did some market research, interviews, et cetera, to figure out that they would. And then you, you know, began marketing to them digitally with some basics like a website, but also some advanced capability like marketing automation. Um, Correct. So when you did that, there's a skills question there, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Um, and I would, I would also add, Greg, when you when you mentioned about adding that as part of the strategy, that it was it was one of the 
I said I would say it was one of the spokes on our strategy. We weren't going 100% digital, but we were adding that, you yeah. know, into our um, into our overall communication and and touch point plan. Um, and there definitely was a um, a skills question for us when we put the roadmap together and understood what it was going to take to actually execute. Um, we certainly had. Um, I guess what I would just call some some gaps in our knowledge base and our talent that that we hadn't ever really contemplated before. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you were doing one thing one way for a long time, mm-hmm. and it was working. And now you're trying these new things, and digital being one of many new things. And uh, you know, people haven't done it before, so they have to they have to learn how to do it. Um, Correct. Before we dive into that, though, let's take one quick step back, which I probably should have started with, which is what prompted you to deploy a new B2B marketing strategy in the first place? Oh, that's a good question. I think when we looked at our business overall and we saw that our brands in certain areas of the country were not as strong as other brands and... Some of that had to do with the changing petroleum landscape uh, amongst refining brands alone. But we also noticed a big change in the petroleum landscape overall with what I would call non-traditional retailers starting to take some of our some of our market share away. And I, I talk about, you know, grocery stores that carry fuel, yeah. Costco's, and in various parts of the country, there's some outstanding retailers that have absolutely nothing to do with gasoline, but they're people like Sheets and Wawa and um, Quick Trip and... Uh, they're just really outstanding retailers uh, that are starting to um, to take to take market share away. And so, what we were trying to look at was, hey, if we are trying to defend our market share in a declining demand environment, it's going to require us to actually grow <laughs> to steal share from someone else. And how can we become more valuable? to people that want to distribute this product for um, for their business or for their livelihood. And so we were setting about on making some program changes to our brands, and we really needed a venue to be able to prospect to new customers, but we also needed a venue to be able to market to our own customers to say, hey, we have some valuable things here that are going to make your business more profitable. And we think that this is going to increase your um, your enterprise value ultimately, and we want you to put more stores or we want you to brand other sites with us mm-hmm. and increase our throughputs as well. So that was kind of the overarching yeah. Theme. Okay. So shifting landscape, declining demand, more competition, the need to bring more value, thus the new marketing strategy, which makes perfect sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break here. When we come back, we're going to dive into this uh, skills challenge, matching the skills of the team to the marketing strategy. So come right back. Are you tired of the superficial approach to sales and marketing best practices served up on the internet by self-proclaimed gurus with glib answers to your problems? If so, subscribe to the SBI Magazine. It's about time that you have a credible publication to turn to that delivers strong, compelling stories and insightful analysis. 
go to salesbenchmarkindex.com and subscribe to the SBI magazine. Okay, welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Jane Kadaska, who's the general manager of U.S. product supply and distribution at Phillips 66. And today we're talking about aligning marketing strategy to the skills of the marketing staff. And right before the break, we learned that you know, Jane orchestrated with her team a new B2B marketing strategy in response to shifting landscape in her industry, uh, more intense competition, new entrance into the market, and the need to add more value to the customer and do that through marketing and help them grow their businesses as a way to take share because the only way you could grow is take share. And this this required lots of new programs, lots of new tactics. And you develop the strategy and you go to your team. And sometimes maybe these are things that they're doing for the first time. Sometimes maybe they're things that you haven't even contemplated before. So now you as the leader are faced with a decision. Do you train the team? Do you hire some new people? Do you outsource? Um, Do you not do some things in your strategy because you think the skills gap is too big of an execution issue and that it wouldn't work because of that? So how did you think through those options? Well, I think we... When we first looked at what we were trying to accomplish, I'm a firm believer in um, kind of chunking it out and starting with the end in mind. So identifying what the priorities were and then what it was going to take to be able to execute that from from a workload perspective, but then also understanding what infrastructure we needed and what human resources and human skill sets we needed to go with it. Uh, Also, I would comment on the fact that understanding we were about to undertake an organizational change, what that would require uh, for the organization to absorb it, and not only to absorb it, but to actually be energized about it or to be excited about it. Mm -hmm. And for myself, that was really important to have people involved with that, with the execution of that strategy that we're really excited about, first of all, about embarking on something new that was going to create additional value for our customers and for us, but also that was going to challenge them and be able to have them learn a new skill set. And when you think about undertaking that change, we looked at an assessment, and I would just call it a capability assessment of our folks to say, hey, looking at their background, looking at the work that they'd done previously, looking at how um, how capable overall they were with regard to their techno- technological skills, um, because a lot of this was going to require uh, digital capability as well as social media um, I would call it interest and capability. So understanding where we stood um, and did we need to make any shift in jobs, did we need to buy any talent or uh, recruit folks in, or were were our own resources capable of uh, being trained or being um, being brought up to be able to to manage those um, those tasks, learn new skills, and orchestrate the execution. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I love about Philip sixty six is that the the typical tenure of an employee there is really long, which yeah. means I mean, which means it's a great place to work. I mean, really, it, it stands out 
you know, so many of my clients, you know, typical job tenure, it might be three years and, and yours is measured in decades instead of years, mm-hmm. which is great. So now you have these very capable, loyal employees and you're going to ask them to go do new things like social media. Um, you know, create content, run email campaigns, do marketing automation tools. Um, so you, you said something there that made me think about this, which was before you even started doing a skills assessment, you want to do an interest as- assessment. Who's interested in even doing this? Who wants to do this? So yeah. um, how did these, you know, tenured employees react to things like social media? Well, I would say that the... The majority of folks that we would have in the area of social media weren't our most tenured employees. Mm. Um, that we found it to be a a really good match with what I would call employees in the five to fifteen year time frame, okay. and that that sounds like a pretty high, um, but. Or, you know, that range seem, probably seems pretty long. But in our company, as you said, it's really common to see employees um, working 30-plus years. Mm-hmm. And so we have folks that are very early in their career that are the millennial um, demographic. They're, it's how they live and how they operate. And when they think of marketing, it's very common for them to be involved in social media anyway. So it it really was a good fit for us to match that population. That that doesn't mean that the rest of the organization was either excluded or was um, or didn't think it was the right path to go on. It just meant that they're um, that the people that were actually going to execute it were um, at a, in a different time frame. But I would say, one thing I would say is that given our corporate identity and, um, and our corporate brand overall, that we did make, need to make sure that we were aligned with our corporate strategies and our corporate policies on social media. Mm-hmm. So that was always a concern for us as well. Yeah. Well, there's a great example of matching the strategy to the skills. So you have this strategy, you decide social media is one of the channels that you want to market to this B2B customer to. And instead of forcing this on you know, a population group inside of your team that may not want to do it or may not be familiar with it, you give it to the millennials who they grew up on this. I mean, to them, this is normal, right? And it's exciting and, and fun for them. That's a perfect example of this. Let's talk about a few other examples. So you know, having worked with you guys for a while, I know that the requirement for content generation was pretty high and generating content's hard. So was that a skill that you assessed and how did you go about, you know, building that capability? Yeah, I think, I think that skill continues to evolve. And I think that we've evolved a long way from where we started I also believe that we use a mix of in-house generated content and uh, we still use agencies to help us on, um, on certain things where we want what I would just call a broader, uh, a broader reach or we have a wide sweeping campaign that needs to have a different look, feel, tone to it than, than our capabilities give us um, to, you know, to just reach the um, or run the gamut, I would say, on on a campaign um, under different 
under different mediums. And uh, but I would say when it comes to some of the in-house pieces that we use for either job aids or sales aids on some of the, the content that we produce, that we have really evolved, I would say, over the course of probably about three years to um, to elevate the, the game internally. Interesting. We're going to take another quick commercial break, and when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about you know how to decide from a content generation perspective what to do in-house and what to do out um, do with outsources. Excuse me. So we'll be right back. You want to invest in yourself, but don't have time to attend conferences or even read books. In less than five minutes each day, the SBI blog delivers a best practice to make your number, an accompanying tool to help you implement the idea and mobile-optimized ideas you can share easily with your team. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com and subscribe today. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is Greg Alexander with SBI. I'm here today with Jane Kadaska of Phillips 66, and we're discussing aligning marketing strategy to the skills of the marketing staff. And right before the break, uh, Jane was sharing with us as it relates to content generation, which was a component of the marketing strategy. Um, which content she was doing in-house, so things like sales aids and job aids and stuff like that, and content that she was outsourcing. And Jane, if you were to give the audience some advice on this, because I get asked this question all the time, and I don't know if I necessarily have the right answer. So I'd like to get your perspective on this. What percentage of content should be in-house and what percentage should be outsourced? And then the piece that is outsourced, what are the characteristics of that type of content that makes it you know, the most likely candidate to be outsourced? Okay. I, I can't give a percentage on um, on what I think should be outsourced and kept in-house. I mean, it, some of that has multiple multiple pieces that questions that have to yeah. be answered about whether or not it's yeah i mean there, there's a lot of different variables on what your budget is going to allow you to do mm-hmm. and um sometimes it's a time issue and so i it, it really to me that depends on what set of constraints you're working on internally and i think when i look at things that i would um that I would send out, they're probably things that require less of, I want to say less, in in my mind, I'm thinking about the word writing, but less teaching somebody about um, the business or the requirements of um, of what needs to happen when you're, when you're selling a program to somebody. So maybe the, it's a less complex piece that's going out um, for us because I think sometimes we have intricacies of our business model that we have to incorporate in, and sometimes that gets really difficult to have to translate to an agency. So, um, but I do look at things from an outsourcing perspective that that we want to create simplicity on certain um, visual elements, things that we want high-resolution graphics that we may not have access to, and also if we want something customized uh, from a graphic design perspective that we just don't have the capabilities to do in-house, I would say that that's another, and and that is something that we don't do particularly well, so we we would be outsourcing for that. And 
I would also say that if we're looking at multiple channels or multiple platforms that we want to use a campaign on and we want it to be skinned the same way under each of those different uh, under each of those different platforms, that would be a place where we would um, use someone to help us do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it is tough to say percentages for sure, and there are lots of variables there, and and it makes common sense if you think about it that the things are acquired, you know, really deep domain expertise on your company, industry, products, etc. To keep those in house, and the things that might be. Uh, less specific um, could yeah. be sent out to agencies. Yeah, I agree. Let me turn the attention on back to skills here for a second and talk about technology skills. So you all in, implemented marketing automation technology, and many marketers these days, you know, the joke is they're becoming technologists, and that tech is driving marketing now, and that requires a new type of marketing employee. So when you started embracing some of this new marketing technology, did you... Was there tech skill inside your department? Did you leverage IT? Did you outsource that? How did you handle that? I think, first of all, I think we utilized whatever we could find. But the the first pockets that I looked for in terms of within our own organization was just what I would call a high level of digital engagement. Mm -hmm. So it would be employees that I knew were constantly utilizing, uh, whether or not it was the latest app, um, the different websites that were doing things for either consumers or uh, efficiency, applications, the, we had, I could see that we would have pockets of, uh, they, I, they just felt very innovative to me within our own employee population. Okay. So, and I could hear some of the energy that they brought to, you know, if they would be with other people or they would be with me and they would, you know, it would always start out with, Hey, have you seen this? Or have you ever tried this? Or we were using this. And and they would be very they would be so excited about these different things that their energy really got to be very infectious and so when i looked at people like that i knew that they had the intelligence they had the appetite and they had um just the desire to and the intellectual curiosity to go down these kind of new technological frontiers they weren't scared of it they loved experimenting with it they loved trying to to break it and those were exactly the kind of people that i was just like hey these people would be a good fit on the team that is going to go down this route mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i i just started yeah and then so you took those people that were going down technological frontiers, you use your terminology, which I really like, and then and then you just you let them know what your technology roadmap was and asked them where they wanted to participate, and they kind of learned the new systems. Is that the way it worked? Yeah, I mean, they, they were excited about, we had new roles that were being created. Mm -hmm. And so there were conversations or just about expressions of interest to say, would you be interested in this role? Or, you know, some, some of them were like, hey, that would be my dream job if I could, <laughs> if I could do that. And I'm like, and you would be my dream employee. <laughs> so Match made it in was heaven. Just, there were some areas where it was a really good fit. And they were, 
I mean, we just had these people that were so jazzed about what they were doing and where they were going, and they had, you know, clear line of sight to this is, you know, our launch date for some of these things. So it was really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to take one more commercial break. When we come back from this, we're going to wrap everything up here and give the audience some to do, some takeaway value. You need to make your numbers, and you want to hear how others are making theirs. You go online to find out what your peers are doing, but can only find sales consultants selling you. Sound familiar? Then the SBI podcast is for you. Each week, hear directly from a peer how they are making the numbers. Go to iTunes, search for Sales Benchmark Index Podcast, and subscribe today. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is our last segment. This is Greg Alexander with SBI, and I'm joined today by Jane Kadaska of Philip 66. And today's topic has been aligning marketing strategy to the skills of the marketing staff. And I want to conclude here with one thing we do know, and that is this is not static, right? This is going to continue to change. And the marketing world is going through this transformation. So this... this um, I guess, skill, for lack of a better term, of matching marketing strategy to the skills of your staff is something that needs to be developed. So how do we get good at that? So, Jane, if you were to speak directly to the marketers who are listening to this podcast and and give them you know, your common sense advice on how to get better at aligning marketing strategy with the skills of the staff, what would you advise them to do? I would advise them to understand where they have gaps and understand the most efficient way to fill them. So if it's on the strategy side, have you know a thorough understanding of what you need to do to, uh, to get to, um, to your goal and, and have a good plan together to, uh, to get there, but also to understand where your execution risks are. And then on the skill side, it, it's exactly the same thing. Don't don't be afraid to say, hey, we don't have that skill here, or we need to go out and get it, or we need to bite off a smaller chunk before we can get to um, the second piece of this because our execution risk is going to be too high with given the skill set that we have. We need to, you know, crawl, walk, run before we just jump. Um, so it's definitely being realistic about uh, and taking that assessment of if this is where I want to get to go, this is what I'm going to need to get there, and this is how I'm I need to get that. Mm. Perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for when I mentioned you know common sense advice. That's so practical, and that's what I was hoping that you were going to give me. Um, let me offer my thoughts on this. So first, this is targeted at the overwhelmed marketer. So if you're a marketer right now and you're not overwhelmed and your strategy and execution is humming, then hit delete. I'm, I'm talking to that person that right now is overwhelmed. And what I would tell you is do what Jane did and take a step back and create a marketing strategy, something different than just a collection of tactics. And then think about and match that strategy to the skills of your team. And when you do that, the questions will emerge. You know, what should I train on? What should I hire for? What should I outsource? And it's a way to think about the problem and and break it down and unpack it into these digestible uh, chunks. If you need help doing this, 
We have somebody inside of our firm who I think is fantastic on this particular skill. His name is Vince Kaler, and you can read about Vince on our website, which is salesbenchmarkindex.com. If you just click on the About Us section and click on our team, you'll see his bio, and you can click on that and, and read all about him. And the reason why I'm recommending Vince to you is, number one, he loves having conversations with market, marketers. And he worked with Jane and her team over the years and, and lived through this, as well as some other marketing organizations. And he's very patient. He's very practical. And I think uh, he could help you here. And he loves, he loves helping. So that would be my recommendation to you and kind of my call to action. So with that, Jane... On behalf of SBI and all of our listeners, I wanted to thank you for taking time out of your day to share your wisdom with us. I learned a lot. You're very humble and modest, and you know more than you realize. So your answers were spectacular. So thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. This has been the SBI Podcast. For more information on SBI services, case studies, the SBI team and how we work, or to subscribe to our other offerings, please visit us at salesbenchmarkindex.com.